Welcome to Fran Path Consulting Podcast. I'm Sam Schweitzer. And I'm Brittany Bodie. And together we are Fran Path Consulting. Thank you so much for joining us for the Fran Path Consulting Podcast. We have no Brittany Bodie today. So I will be in charge of starting and stopping the podcast and introducing our guest. Brittany is actually at the veterinary office with her poor little puppy today, which is one of the pluses of business ownership. We get the opportunity to lean on each other as business partners, but also to spend time with our family and friends and to call out without feeling super, super guilty. So just another thing to think about as you're kind of considering business ownership is the fact that we are able to do things that I think I would have felt incredibly guilty about. I know Brittany would have never done this in our previous position. She would have had to call a million people and reschedule and do things. And her dog probably would have had to wait until the evening to go to emergency vet care. So just another little thing as as we're grateful coming out of that Thanksgiving holiday for really having time to spend with the people and the animals that we love and dedicating time to doing those things. So while we'll miss Brittany today, We are super glad that she's able to take care of things in her home. Now, speaking of taking care of things in your home, I have an awesome team today from Brand One representing Resto Pros. I have Michael Mudd, the CEO of Brand One, and I have Jason Barclay, the CFO of Brand One. Welcome to the podcast, you guys. Thank you, Sam. Good to have you. Yep. We're glad to be here. Thank you so much for joining me today, saving everybody from my voice. I'm glad we have two guests, so there's going to at least be three voices today. So I always want to kick off the podcast by asking, really, what is your background? How did you guys get started in franchising? And Michael, I'll start with you. Well, thank you, Sam. My background is actually in aviation. I got a degree as a professional pilot and grew up in Denver, Colorado. And my entry into franchising is really a love story. So I met this amazing girl. Her name's Christine. She's now my wife, but I fell in love with her. And in the process, she was an executive in franchising. So I started to to hear her talking to candidates and I started to build an affinity for franchising overall. So she helped me pursue a career in franchising, which now spans 18 years. I cut my teeth with a brand called Relax the Back. I spent four years with them. And then I helped Menchie's Frozen Yogurt establish a nationwide footprint. And it took me eight years, but the brand had 20 stores. And when I left there, they had 550 stores opened. And I helped the brand get into universities. I helped them secure the relationship with Universal Studios. I took them to 11 countries and just had a blast of, of really helping and seeing a small brand become a nationwide powerhouse. And then that translated into success with many other brands. But the the entry into it, Sam, was actually a love story with my my wife of 18 years now, Christine, who was a franchise executive. So I did not know that about you at all. So from flying airplanes to flying high and franchise development, that is an awesome story. And franchising often is a love story. So Jason, tell us your love story with franchising. How the heck did you end up here? Yeah, I mean, how do I follow that up? <laughs> I love story in franchising. Uh, I'm like I'm on the opposite the opposite uh, side of the equation. Um, interesting enough, went to school for accounting and economics. 
started in franchising 24 years ago as a traveling auditor for an automotive repair company. Uh, if that sounds fun, uh, I can I can hook you up again. But in all in all honesty, it was it was a great deal with the brand that I spent uh, over a decade with that ended up putting about a third of their system in as far as development's concerned and and one that's close to my heart. But yeah, no love story here besides uh, I started to love uh, frequent flyer miles and, and, and traveling around the country as an auditor. So that, that's how I got into it. 24 years later, I got the privilege of working with folks like yourself and, and Michael at Brand One. So it's a hey, blessed more than I deserve. That's for sure. It's so interesting how all roads lead to franchising and it's never on purpose. You never think like, man, I'm going to grow up and be a franchisee or work for a franchisor or help out in the franchise world. But it's such a small world. We always joke that the polos just change. You see people and they're, they stay in the industry because it's like a vortex. So your backgrounds have led you guys to where you are today as partners in Brand One. So Michael, what is Brand One? And what do you guys bring to franchisors and prospective franchisees? Would love to hear what sets you guys apart. Well, simply put, Sam, Brand One is America's premier franchise development firm. But more specifically, we work in all aspects of franchise recruitment for 15 brands that span across really about seven different industries. And we work with investment levels ranging from $80,000 to $2.3 million. We have clients that have owner-operated business models. We have some that do an executive model. We have others that are semi-absentee that you can run the business with a general manager. We basically work in education for folks that are looking to learn about franchise options. We are out searching for amazing franchise brands. The criteria for us is you know, financial viability. We want to see founders and teams that we like trust and respect. That is one of the core foundational components of what we look for. We want to be able to respect and trust the brands we work with because at the end of the day, we work with your candidates, Sam. So we want to make sure that when you put a candidate to brand one, that those candidates are going to find a home that is going to be validated, that's going to be a great system to provide the support that they're looking for to create predictability for the performance. What makes us unique this is uniquely different about brand one is the ability to help a candidate learn and make an informed business decision about the franchise that they're entering. We don't believe in selling. We believe in educating a candidate and then allowing them to make an informed decision. It is categorically different in the approach we take in the process. And I am very proud of that. That's one of the fundamental differences you're going to find working with the brand one team. I love the like, trust, and respect. I think Brittany and I have said that time and time again. We've stolen it from you guys. We do credit the source every time that we use it. That is so incredibly important because I think a lot of our clients in the course of franchise exploration get very hung up on the numbers. They love the margins. They love the idea that they want to just live and sleep and breathe the item 19 because that's the dream is to be financially so set. But you'll never get there if the franchisor isn't stable, if they don't, if they're not good people, if they're not making great decisions. And I really love that you guys vet the brand, the leadership, the people behind it much more than just any kind of financial document. And you guys have managed to find some really great brands with some really fantastic numbers. And one of those is 
resto pros. And Jason, you're working directly on the brand as well as Michael. So explain to me, what is resto pros? What do you do? How is it different? Let us know. Yeah, sure thing. Um, Speaking of light, trust, and respect, I've known the founder of RestaPros since he's been a young guy and now watching him develop into a franchisor, that if I didn't have that common belief that I like, trust, and respect them, we wouldn't work with them, right? So that goes back to, you know, people make a difference and remember that one all the time. But RestaPros is, is a concept out of Charlotte, North Carolina, a young emerging brand that's in the restoration space. So restoration can mean a lot of different things, but let's boil it down to something very simple. We start with water uh, mitigation, right? So I'm sh- hopefully you didn't have it. If you're listening to this podcast, hopefully, Sam, you didn't have it. But, you know, there's plenty of people that had a common occurrence water damage in their home. Hot water tank broke, pipes, sink overflown. You know, every time my son gets in the in the tub, I'm, oh, my God, here it's coming. Right? <laughs> turn the water off. Those kind of things are everyday occurrences. I forget the number. It's somewhere like 14,000 events happen a day, a day that somebody has a loss. Rest of pros and our franchisees go out and dry that home, get it back to its, its, its state before they had an accident, before there was water damage, so that that customer can get back in their home. And by the way, it also could be commercial. So I'm talking residential, but please know. So that they can get back into their dwelling or their business setting. That's our main thing. But restoration could be anything from water damage, smoke, mold, fire. I mean, even reconstruction, even though as we get deeper into this, we'll teach in the process that we don't start with that because it's really labor intensive. And we love how our model isn't labor intensive. But real short answer, uh, restoration of residential commercial homes, residential commercial structures. I love the residential and the commercial as well, because I do think so many clients of ours are really comfortable in that B2B setting. They're coming from an executive level. And the people we've placed with RestoPros have not necessarily been the people you think would be in the restoration business. As we start to describe some of their backgrounds, you know, oil and gas executives, people that are, you know, the mayor of their city, engineers. I think it's definitely a group of folks that doesn't think of restoration. Surely when they talked to us the first time, it was not what came to mind. But one question as I present this brand that typically will come up, and Michael, I'll kind of throw this at you. There's many major players in the restoration space. Most clients, most people listening to this would be able to name some major companies that are in that space. So why add a restoration company? to brand one's portfolio. Is there room for another player here? And what also sets restoration apart from other industries? Great question, Sam. I would give you two components to this answer. So I would say industry attributes is one of the compelling reasons. And then also a unique advantage that RestoPros has in the marketplace. So let me take them by turn. It kind of starts with just industry attributes. So the, the industry is $210 billion. Now that's a big number. So let me just give you an example. Pizza is a $50 billion industry. So I want to, anyone that's listening to this call, how many pizza parlors are there in your neighborhood? I mean, there's a lot of them, right? And it's one quarter of the size of the industry for restoration. So obviously there's going to be big competitors because it's a gigantic industry. 
Now within this industry, 80% of them are mom pop operators. So you're talking independents, they're unsophisticated, they're unorganized, and they're surviving by being the hometown hero. You see about 20% of the industry that has a more sophisticated presence. These larger players within restoration are going after the business through insurance carriers. So they're waiting for insurance referrals to get the business. RestoPros takes a completely different approach. We go after a referral source that is not the insurance carrier. Now the byproduct of that is the ability to charge the insurance companies at the full book rate that we can charge as opposed to a discounted rate that you would be charging if you got the business from the insurance carrier. So what's good is the hand that feeds us is not the insurance carrier. So we can actually go and extract more margin on the work we're doing. Now, why that's beneficial with more margin, meaning we get more revenue, we're able to attract better team, we're able to pay them better, we're able to provide a much better service offering. And at the end of the day, we're servicing a customer who's got water damage in their home. We are not servicing an insurance carrier who's trying to find the low cost leader for the work. So there's a unique advantage that RestoPros has on the market within a gigantic industry. And frankly, we're winning, Sam. Now the winning can be evidenced by the franchise disclosure document that would be provided to your candidates in the process journey. The historical financial performance that we're seeing with the company is almost unbelievable. It has to be validated, which we provide all the systems for candidates to learn validate and ultimately make the decision if this is the right fit for them. But the the margins are something that we've never seen at, at, at brand one. I can say the margins are kind of out of this world for us. And, you know, we live in FDDs and we talked about the fact that many of our clients get very focused on numbers and that's what they, they really want to see there and they forget to validate other things. But it is true. People have to talk to franchisees to believe that this is possible because the FDD is so fantastic and the margin percentages are so high. So, you mentioned that you're getting referral sources. Can you dig into that a little bit? Where are these referrals coming from? Where are franchisees getting those referrals? So peeling the onion a little bit, I don't want to get too much into IP, but what we do is go after a different source for the lead. So as somebody has a water issue, these are going to be, um, this is a, a, a need-based service. It's not something that, it, it's happening as a disaster. So they're gonna contact two, one of two people. They're either gonna call a plumber or an HVAC company or some source to fix the water source, right? If you have a broken pipe or a pinhole leak, you're gonna call a plumber. You're not gonna call an insurance company. So we don't go after insurance companies. We take a paid referral source direct to plumbers and HVAC and try to get leads coming in a different method. And we pay for those, play, or those leads. So it, it's substantial amount of revenue we're paying but it's also not a, a shotgun approach to marketing. We're, we're able to focus in on the actual, the job and pay for the referral as opposed to doing a blitz marketing spend and hoping the revenue comes in. So it's a much more targeted approach to marketing. It's much more cost effective and it's much more focused in terms of how we generate our, our customer base. I think that's such an interesting thing to think through. And it sounds so simple, but with nobody else in the industry really taking advantage of that and focusing on all insurance pays. I mean, I do think franchisees, again, as referenced by the franchise disclosure document, we are seeing that they are reaping the benefits of thinking differently and being disruptive in an industry that is really ripe for disruption. Now, 
Jason, we talked about people that we've placed in this business and some of the franchisees that Resto Pros has really diverse backgrounds, really diverse set of people. Not all men. We've placed couples. I think a lot of times I get women and couples on the phone and they think restoration, this must be a man's business. You know, you and I worked with a couple out of Denver where she wanted a she wanted a vitamin drip bar or a Botox clinic and was the leading the charge on on Resto Pros by the end of their franchise exploration process. So when you're thinking about the franchisees in the system, what type of franchisees is RestoPros looking for? And then what does a day in their life really look like? Yeah, it's interesting you brought up the Denver franchisees. They're opening, they're doing great. They're actually ahead of their KPIs. And like you said, uh, she didn't come in looking at RestoPros, but she came in with an open mind, thanks to you and, and, and your, you know, your, your consulting and your help. Um, I think the best franchisees for Rust of Pros are people that aren't afraid to work. Uh, like I, I want to make sure we set the stage here a little bit. But that's interesting because that does not mean that that's somebody out in the trenches doing the actual work. All right. We have another franchisee kept his day job uh, down in Texas, literally running this thing semi-absentee. He's also ahead of his KPIs. Right. And, and you know, he's not a sales guy. Right. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a sales guy. But you know, I think somebody needs to work, first of all, and somebody that wants to reach some goals, right? Whatever that may be. We can help cater their business model based on whatever they want to achieve. Uh, so big picture is this. Somebody that's worked, somebody that's likable, somebody that can hire people to go out and do the key, the key roles and responsibilities. And the good news is you don't need to hire a bunch of people. There's a lot of brands out there where it's labor intensive. And, and right now is not the time to be in a labor intensive model. We don't need a lot. Okay, so we typically start with two to four folks uh, working for our franchisees max, depending on their their involvement. And that's something that Michael, myself, RestaPro's team, Sam, all of us are working together to recruit the right people, depending on what their skill set is, but also what they want to do in the business. Because, again, I have folks that, you know, Michael and I that, you know, jump in and, and they're all in. Then we have folks like Texas that nope, semi-absentee, got three children, want to take care of them first and kind of walk into the water. You know, the good news is the profitability is, is, is so good that you don't need to kill it to be able to replace your daytime job if that's so what you wish. So big picture, somebody that wants to work likable, that goes back to that like, trust and respect we talked about. Um, but man, we've had a lot of fun and we appreciate everybody that you brought us. Thank you so much. So it seems like no matter what, you have to have good people management skills. You have to be able to work with people specifically in that semi-passive model. And I think I'll take this moment on our podcast to say when we say semi-passive, this is not two hours a week. This is 10 to 20 minimally. When you're starting out, you're probably looking 10 to 30. And this isn't a $12 an hour employee running that business for you. It needs to be a manager that you're paying, likely giving equity to in some capacity or bonuses to. So to be a successful semi-passive owner in franchising, you can't simply think the business is on autopilot and the franchisor is going to be running that for you. Yes, there are systems. Yes, there's support. Yes, it's proven. But you have to work, and it's not a four-letter word. And I think that's very, very important in any industry to understand. But I think restoration specifically, there is work to be done. 
and we don't want to give the false impression. And I think sometimes you use words like semi-passive and people think they have an ATM plant that they're putting in their backyard. It's not the case. In order to get to a more passive set of income, you do have to put the work in on the front side and you do have to have the ability to identify key players in any business. For, for sure. Let me add on that one second. Here, here's the neat thing about this model is that, you know, there's enough margin that you can find the right people that you can you can work with and you can trust to grow the model. And then it's also a model that's, you know, very scalable. You know, after you get, I mean, literally the, the plan at our Restapro's model is like, when we get to X, we do Y. You know, we get, we get to Z, we do, it literally stair steps up. So, you know, this isn't, it's fine for somebody that wants to start with a single territory and work their way in, but let's not forget about, you know, we have some heavy hitters that are franchisees that came in, bought, you know, multiple territories, big chunks. They went out and hired people specifically for this, kind of like what you mentioned, right? Let them work, they guide them, and then they scale it up to something that they can become more passive after they set the groundwork initially. I think that's really great to know that that's already out there too. There's validation. There's a blueprint for folks that have already done that. It's scary to be the first person trying to pioneer that in any franchise. So I'm really glad to hear that you guys have people actively doing that right now. So one thing that we always ask every single guest that comes on this podcast, and I am sure we're going to get some good nuggets from you guys but we always ask, what is the best advice that you've ever received? And Michael, I'll start with you. That's a great question, Sam. Um, the best advice that I've ever received is take care of others and the rest will take care of itself. Uh, the way I approach the process with a candidate is I get into them and what they're trying to achieve and their objectives, and then I help them solve a problem. So most candidates that come through your process have something they're trying to solve. Uh, it could be better lifestyle, could be diversification of income stream. So what I do is, is make it my mission to understand them. And I also give them an experience of being heard and understood. And then I go to work to fulfill that mission for them. And if it's not a fit, I communicate that openly and transparently. So if there's something I'm hearing in a first meeting that they're trying to achieve and my model is not going to achieve it, I just let them know that in the first conversation. Now, if it does meet their objectives, then I'm going to help them do the due diligence. I'm going to make them um, really go through the process to, to ensure for them that they're confident within their decision. But I always put the candidate on the other end of the phone first in conversations that I'm having with, 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 with folks. I love that. And sometimes caring about people is saying, this isn't a fit for you and you're going to thank me two years down the road. You're not happy with me today. I understand that. But Two years down the road, when you're not sitting in a business you don't love, you're absolutely going to be grateful that I told you that today. I love that. So Jason, I'll turn that to you. What is the best advice you've ever received? Well, first of all, Michael, thank you for going first. Sam, thanks for asking the question. Because the first thing that came to mind, my mother always told me, if I don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So that's where I went first. But uh, <laughs> and, and I'm being serious. But hey. I think this works for anybody just in life, but in franchising, treat people the way you want to be treated. And, and, and that goes a long way that ties into Michael. I mean, I don't know how many times that 
we, we do have to have a car, hard conversation. Like we don't know if it's the right fit or how do you plan on operating this? Let's dig in a little bit so that we get it right. But I, I just think honesty, you know, listen, I'm a, I'm not a great salesperson. Everybody will tell you that I'm an accountant by trade, but I've been blessed and fortunate because I treat people the way I want to be treated. And I think honesty goes a long way. So th those are mine and those come right from my mother. Mother knows best. I'll make a note to have you back on our Mother's Day episode. <laughs> so I love a mama's boy as a mother boys. So I'll take it. So next question I have, and Jason, I'll let you go first on this one, is what is your personal and compelling reason for being in the franchise industry? Yeah, I love that question. Uh, in fact, you know, because given my entire career has been in franchising, uh, but I think really what it comes down now is that I want to help people achieve their goals and get into a better place in their life. And whatever that may be, as Michael mentioned early on, I mean, we, we work with a bunch of different brands, bunch of different industries, you know, and it's a different person. But just having somebody that uh, a real quick story, I was at a convention of one of our brands recently and a franchisee came up to me and said, I owe you one. And I was like, well, what, you know, for what reason? He was looking, him and his wife were looking at another brand in a similar space. And I said to him, I said, don't do the one I'm, I'm representing, but don't do that. <laughs> and he came back and ended up doing the one that, that I was representing. And he's like, man, I'm crushing it. I'm very happy. So franchising to me is, you know, it, it's following a system. It's minimizing risk and it's helping people achieve their goals. I, I mean, that's kind of what motivates me on a day-to-day -day basis. I love it. It always comes back to the people on this one. You know, the most successful people in this business, it typically is about the folks that, that we're getting the opportunity to help. So Michael, I'll turn that to you, your personal compelling reason for being involved in franchising. So it's changed. Uh, early on, it was definitely about the candidate and seeing the light bulb, like the lights turn on for a candidate, helping them achieve an objective is very fulfilling. We have a very big responsibility as franchise recruiters, and I don't take that responsibility for granted. It, it is meaningful what we do for candidates that come into our systems. But that's evolved into more about seeing a brand become alive. When we start working with organizations, they, they almost are always emerging growth brands. So they have smaller systems. And then watching that small system become a force to be reckoned and see them develop into giants with nationwide footprints and seeing the infrastructure coming in and seeing the team gel and the culture come alive. And, and, and you start to see the energy of the entire organization. That to me is the most fulfilling thing that I can experience in franchising to see companies become alive. That's, that is meaningful to me. That's meaningful work. It's, it really is. And you guys have, I mean, you guys have helped build some giants over time. I think you've got a roster full of some fantastic businesses. We've had the pleasure of placing clients in about a half a dozen of them. You continue to work with brands that are so integral and we're always impressed, not just by the financial statements, but by all of the people involved. And so I just can't thank you guys enough for joining me today. I'm no Barbara Walters, but I am very happy that you guys were able to sit through this. We definitely miss Brittany, but thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much as well. Thank you, Sam. We appreciate you having us.
So if you'd like to learn more about franchising and diversifying your portfolio through franchising, email us at info at franpathconsulting.com. Follow the FranPath Consulting Podcast on Apple or Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars. You can also follow us on Instagram at FranPath, Facebook and LinkedIn at FranPath Consulting, or go to our website, franpathconsulting.com, to take your free business assessment. Mm-hmm.